Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello everyone, welcome to the Mac in Belfast. Please welcome a man who's going to kill you all with the deodorant he bought full of poison. Cut through security. It's Richard Herring. Oh, wow. You're not quite as good as last week's audience. I have to say they were good. They were good. Yeah, those. Bad luck. I hate those fuckers uh, from last week. Anyway, welcome to Richard Herring's Laughing Sandbank Mouther Twat podcast. The mouth on the sandbank is uh, the translation of Belfast. (laughs) The people of Belfast didn't know that. Talking of mouths on sandbanks, I was uh, hanging out with Fergal Sharkey uh, from from the Undertones. Uh, he was telling me that the sewer, all about the sewage in the UKC. I just wanted him to sing Teenage Kicks. Um, or Julie Ocean, not shit in the ocean. Do you remember Ju- Julie Ocean? Always on fire. This is how he'd speak. Pretty good impression, actually. Anyway, he calls it Rallastafar. Undertones. Are my references too, too ancient for you, madam? The un- stiff little fingers and the undertones. Don't you remember those guys? Anyway, look, it's lovely to see you. Um, look, I, I should say, uh, there, I will be in the foyer after the show. Uh, I'm very happy to say hello and do selfies and uh, sign, uh, and in, uh, sorry, and sign your penis, sir. 
just, just the initials. Um, and um, I am selling some stuff. We mentioned a bit of it in the, in, in the, in the show. But uh, look, the thing is, I brought all this over on the fucking plane, okay? So it was quite difficult. Quite difficult to manage. Uh, it cost £70 to bring a suitcase across. So I have to sell at least £140 worth of stuff to break even. That's risky, right? Uh, but uh, because we got the excess baggage to take a suitcase as well, as there were one suitcase and a little suitcase, and we put the suitcase in there, and because we did that, I got priority boarding thrown in. Uh, my tour manager didn't, but I did. But that meant I had to go through speedy boarding, and everyone was looking at me going, what a fucking prick. And some of them were saying it as well. I could hear them say, I'm not the kind of person who gets speedy boarding, because it's a thing an idiot would do. The plane arrives at the same time, wherever you are, and the plane, they'll get all the stuff on. So it made me feel bad. Um, Anyway, look, some stuff about Belfast. Milk of magnesia was invented in Belfast. Did you know that? Milk of magnesia? I love all milks. I didn't really know what milk of magnesia was. It's just the laxative. So well done. So that's... You've invented a laxative. I thought living in Belfast was laxative enough, but apparently not. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, uh, you know... This city is very associated with the Titanic, right? Which, I, if I was from Belfast, I would try and play that down. <laughs> I'd be saying, yeah, we made a big ship that was meant to never sink, and it fucking sank straight away. That is, that would be, I would try and keep that quiet, not build a big experience and stuff. It's like, that's like having Essex having a Russell Brand museum. Um, <laughs> though, to be fair, Russell Brand had more victims. So it's, um... <laughs> Why am I doing a little dance after that? <laughs> that awful joke. Uh, that probably won't go out either. Uh, but uh, imagine, it's absolutely astonishing at the Titanic. This ship's never going to sink. It sank straight away. Absolutely. You can, I mean, if you're on that ship, you would have to laugh, wouldn't you, as it was going. You'd have had a little chuckle. Going, oh. Titanic. Um, anyway, be ashamed of it, Belfast. It's a, it's a definite failure. Good, right, let's crack on. Sorry to, sorry to talk straight to you about that, but I have to be honest. Right, my guest this week, absolutely fantastic guest. You know him as David in Battle of the Bone. <laughs> hey, I love it when they laugh backstage and like, they, they hear the credit. Will you please welcome the incredible Shane Todd, ladies and gentlemen. Shane Todd. Ah. Welcome. Come on in. Now, I had to take a bit of a punt uh, with your best known for, Shane. Mm-hmm. Did I do well? Battle of the Bone, everyone knows 2008 and Northern Irish Independent Zombie film. <laughs> <laughs> Not what it sounds like, Battle of the Bone. <laughs> it isn't. I thought it might be interesting. Ba- Battle of the Bone was on for two weeks in cinemas here. It was an independent movie where um, Protestants and Catholics come together to defeat zombies on the 12th of July. Right, that's good. It's as good as it sounds. <laughs> it's <that's laughs> yeah. very good. For my birthday, that's nice. I'm gonna, I'll rent it for my birthday. Is it on? D, is it on? It's streaming? on. It's on DVD, and there is a cover on the front of the DVD. I promise, I'm not making this up. And the director put it on, like unironically, like he was really chuffed with it. It was from uh, Impact Martial Arts magazine Japan, <laughs> and it genuinely says in the front of it, "The greatest Northern Irish martial arts zombie movie ever made." <laughs> 
The least... I, I, I enjoy a misstep and I enjoy an attempt at a political satire using the wrong thing. And I, that sounds like a fan, that sounds just right up my street. Yeah. Even Planet of the Apes, which I, I like, mm-hmm. is a slightly misjudged political satire of, yeah. of the time because it's about it's about race. Yeah. And, and it's got also about monkeys. That is that is not a good start, Pierre Boulay. Yeah. So. Um, it sounds a bit like that. Anyway, good. Look, it's lovely. To, it's lovely to see you. Uh, and I've been catching up with uh, with all your stuff. Look, I was very excited about your special. Let's talk. Let's start with your special uh, before we talk about what you were doing before you're a comedian um, called All American, mm-hmm. and it's available for free. Yep, YouTube. Yeah, uh, yeah YouTube. And uh, well, uh, it's a great idea because you've you've a you've done an American tour, which is extraordinary in itself, a successful American tour, <laughs> and the 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 live show is uh, is. All of those shows videoed, and you've and you've picked different bits from different shows, put them together. I stole the idea from Chris Rock. Right, if you remember he did a special. I do. He did a world tour. Yes, I just did that. Okay, um, not Chris Rock's show, not, not, <laughs> not bigger and blacker by Chris Rock. <laughs> I, um, I, um, I, yeah, I was doing an, uh, my first like uh, American tour. Yeah, um, you know, small comedy clubs in America, and um, you just there's this thing here where. People are really curious about how your material travels because people assume that if you're a comedian from here, that when you travel, you just talk about here. <laughs> so, you know, people think I'm in, you know, people think I'm in Chicago talking about Castle Court Shopping Center in Belfast. <laughs> and I am. <laughs> they know it, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just, it was kind of answering those questions that people have about. How does it work when you're away? And people yeah. asking kind of like a nice way, you know, they're like, how does it work? What, do they like you out there? Do they get it? And that kind of thing. So I had, I had done last year a run of shows at the Opera House in Belfast and filmed five nights of it, like real professionally, at great cost, five <laughs> cameras a night. And um, had it, that, I'm like, that's the special. And then went to America about two weeks later and all the comedy clubs there have multi-camera set up. And I brought a video guy with me, so we had all the shows covered. And they're small venues too. Yeah. So when I started doing that, I went, you know what? Let's just this is more interesting than you know if you if I do a show from Belfast, you know, it's kind of like you know, yeah, it's it, it's lovely on camera and stuff. But this is more of a this more challenging, it's more you know, it's me kind of yeah. doing something like totally different. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, it is it is a, a fascinating thing to. Um... Go to America. And what, what's the, you know, I've toured the UK and that's, you know, sometimes you have, my glasses break every show. It's my, it's my new, uh, new catchphrase. Um, you know, sometimes I have to fly to Belfast. It's, it's quite hard. Uh, well, how does that compare to, I mean, is it, is it just flying between the cities in America? Is it, or did you get a big uh, tour bus and drive between all of the... Oh, no, no, no. I'm just flying in yeah. between. Um, and it's like people have an idea of like, oh, you're doing this America tour. <laughs> it's all quite sad. It's just me sitting like in airports, you know, doing like long flights. Sometimes I'm there just by myself. And I just, I get really into the PC game, Football Manager. You're right. Okay. Um, so like my wife would be ringing me being like, because we have two young kids and I'm obviously missing home. She's like, how is it out there? And I'm like pretending, I'm like, oh, it's, you know, it's difficult all the travel. Secretly, I'm taking like Lincoln City <laughs> off to the championship. <laughs> so like I'm under, 
I'm under pressure more playing football manager on Amtrak trains and stuff than I am with the shows. She's like, how was it? And I think she's talking about, like, you know, the playoff final against Oxford United, you know? Like, good. Yeah. I was just uh, playing football manager, the original one, oh, on, my, yeah. on my phone. Oh. Kevin Tom's football manager right. on my phone on the way here. I took oh, wow. York City won the European Cup, the FA Cup, and came second in the Premiership. Brilliant. Pretty good, yeah. pretty good day for me. And look, so look, a lot of newer comedians do this, but in my, you know, you say you spend a lot of money filming the show in in Belfast. Yeah. But then you put the show out for nothing. Yeah. And not even with ads. That was not my first preference. No. Okay. <laughs> there was no like. That was not a like noble thing that I did. Yeah, right. I tried to get it to places where I would earn a lot of money okay. from it, and they basically were like. No, <laughs> they said they didn't want it. Okay. Um, I, I, we did speak to like a streaming service who said, uh, you know, maybe like sit on it for a while and we'll see how the landscape changes. Okay. And I didn't know what that meant, so I just put it on YouTube. <laughs> that sounds like a, a, it takes a long time for landscape to actually change. Yeah. That, sounds, that sounds like it might be on in yeah. a few eons. Yeah. <laughs> on Netflix. Um, uh, but but it's still, I think it's 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 a it's a good way to advertise your next show, right? You put that yeah. show up and then. You hope people will see it and go, oh, we'll go and see your next show. Yeah. So that's, that, does that work? Is that, do you think it's a viable way to do it? Kind of, yeah. And yeah. I, I want to kind of get rid of the material a bit so I could start doing, like, new material. Yeah. So if I put it all out there, it'll force me to just make sure I have, you know, new stuff. Yeah. Um, but it, it's been, like, I would, I'm a big fan of just, like, putting stuff out and just getting as many people to see it as possible. Yeah. And even with, like, doing a podcast and stuff, it all just feeds, for me, it just all feeds back into stand-up and... That's like my number one passion, so hopefully more people just come to that. Yeah, cool. No, it's it's great, it, and, and and you know it's it is a really great. It's a very funny show. Do check it out if you haven't uh, seen it already. So look, you start. You've been going being a stand up for uh, since two thousand eight. Is something like that, fifteen? Yeah, years? yeah, well, um, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe even. I think I was 18 when I did my first gig. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you were working in a call center before mm-hmm. you did stand up. Right? Yeah. So. What 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 was what what were you doing in the call center? It was um, it was cold calling. Okay, so it was outbound cold calling for a charity. Okay, uh, but I got paid. Okay, you know what I mean? Like so, it wasn't like you know, <laughs> I was like full time job kind yeah. of, and um, you were just you would read a script every. So I thought it was the best job for stand up because my evenings were free. Yeah, and they were pretty good about letting me just go and do gigs. You get shifts covered. And I would write, like, stand-up on the side when I was even on the phones and stuff. And then I was like, this is perfect. And then the more it went on, the more I just started repeating that script, the less I was kind of writing on the side. So eventually, like, I just had had to quit. But I had no, like, no work lined up. It wasn't, you know, I didn't quit because there was too much comedy going on on the side or I was being offered (laughs) this or that. I was just like, I need to be in a position where I can give this a go. And it was... I think about the first six months, nothing really happened. And then I tried to go back to get my first job, which was a dishwasher in a restaurant in the town I'm from. And they would they didn't give me the job back because <laughs> I was shit at dishes. Uh, so bad. So you're um, writing jokes on the side. Yeah. Inside <laughs> yeah. the plates. Using sauce on plates, yeah. And, um, and luckily, like, one thing came in right at that time where it was like, oh, I need to move on. Yeah. And then it kind of snowballed a wee bit from, from there. Cool. But, you know, you've been... I mean, A, the fact you get to tour America on whatever scale is pretty unusual. There aren't many... You, you know, when we when you think of UK comedians doing that, mm-hmm. it's maybe Jimmy Khan. I think Sarah Millican sometimes does UK tours. You know, it's very few people. 
Yeah. So you've, you know, you've become very successful. You're playing big, big venues in Ireland, for, for sure, and touring the UK as well. So it's going very, very well. But, like, it's sort of interesting, isn't it? I think a lot of people in, the, in, in England and Scotland and Wales might not, not have heard of you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we also have this thing here, Richard, where, like, we can never, like, agree that we're doing well. Right. So, like, when you're saying all these things, I can't just be like, yeah, that is, that is it is going well. It's just instinct for me to be like, oh, no, 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 no. no it's not. <laughs> Please don't say that, because then something's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, I mean, you can sell, I can sell, like, a load of tickets in Belfast, but then there's parts even of Ireland where I wouldn't sell many tickets at all. Yeah. It's strange. And it seems to be, like, working-class cities that are, have these thriving comedy scenes where... I'm selling a lot of t- you know, like Belfast, Liverpool, Glasgow, yeah, I can see. Newcastle, Manchester, places like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going like, it's going great, but I don't really like to think about that too much at all. <laughs> right. I just kind of like keep my head down, just keep doing it and just don't, don't think about it. Really. I, well, you, you have to a bit, but I, I try not to. Yeah. I mean, you do have to keep pressing on and, and, and doing it. Do you think, you know, obviously you've got the, a podcast, you're doing a podcast show tomorrow as well, of your own podcast, uh, which is called uh, Tea With Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a question mark at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> tea With Me? Is it Tea With Me? Um, and you've been doing that for three or four years. Yeah. Is that, is, that is that what got you to the American tour? Is it, is it sort of worldwide successful enough? Or? Before that, can I just say you gave me a mug backstage? Yeah. Which is an euphemism. And great... I told you it was a gr- it's a great size of mug. Yeah. I really appreciated the mug. Yeah, slightly bigger than a standard size, but not like Sports Direct big. That's right. Yeah, great <laughs> Sports Direct mug. You know what I would use for soup? Yeah, it's not really a tea mug. Be cold by the time you get the end of it, but great for soup. But you'd never think of doing that. No, try it. Okay, I'll give it a go. Um, <laughs> or like if you're starving, I would have two Sports Direct mugs of, of soup. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was the question? <laughs> I- I'm just thinking about soup now. I'm a bit hungry. Yeah, yeah, I'm on a yeah. diet at the moment, so that's yeah. not been the best. I um, feel like, you know, I don't... <laughs> this may be weird, but I don't like eating soup in public. Right. I feel like vulnerable doing it or something. I think it is. I think I do what makes you more vulnerable, and this is not because I've done a show about it, but if you eat a yoghurt in, in public, I think just the act of having... To lift it, to lift a spoon... If you're on a tube, yeah. we were, when we did well, one of our first TV jobs... There was a director, and we didn't know him very well. He did, we'd worked for him a little bit, and then we got me and Stuart got on the tube, and the director was there, and he was eating a yogurt on the tube, and we lost all respect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just there's no, there's no way you can do that. In a... I feel like there's certain brands <laughs> that you can sort of get away with. Yeah. But if he's getting torn into a pity falou, it's like I can't. We can't work together. I, there's a weakness. There's just a weakness to lift, having to lift. Do you know what you have to respect? What? Crunch corner. Yeah. You know, if you're confident enough to sit on a tube and just, you know, fire that, and then mix it all up and eat that, that's yeah. kind of, that's a bit of a power move. That I would respect good. that. I would respect that. If you don't have a spoon and you're using the lid, as a, if you've fashioned it into a lid, no. just using your hand. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, had to, I went to the cinema with my wife yesterday uh, and uh, we bought... I bought like a Pret-a-Manger salad, like a falafel and a hummus salad. And like, wasn't until... Terrible I, cinema etiquette. Yeah. Wasn't until I was in the cinema, I realised I hadn't picked up a fork. And I, so I had to eat a falafel and hummus salad with my hands in the dark. <laughs> and I... 
<laughs> and I recommend it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't know what's coming out. Now, even if you can feel, oh, this is a bit hummusy, or this is, uh, this is a falafel. The only thing you can be sure of is the falafel, right? Yeah. The rest of it is... <laughs> yeah. oh, it's all quite nice, luckily, so um, do be careful with that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like if you smuggled like a hummus and falafel salad into a cinema in Belfast, yeah. like that sounds illegal. <laughs> like, no, like you can't, you can't eat that here. Well, I was conscious. No one was... It was a cinema in the daytime. We're going on What do you want to see? We went to see the, uh, the Agatha Christie uh, haunting in Venice, uh, which my wife wanted to see because she's doing a case. She does Drunk Women Solving Crime. It's a great podcast. Uh, Lisa McGee's a guest. Listen to that one. It's fantastic. Um, and uh, there was some reason she had to watch it. I think they're advertising it on her podcast. Um, so I wasn't very sure about doing it, but we went to a... We went, we're having daytime dates. Which I've read. If you're in a relationship and you don't have a job, I, 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 reckon, I really recommend it. Because yeah. we can't ever go out. No, I'm on tour. We really can't go out. We went out to London for the afternoon. We watched the, the film and I went home and looked after the kids and she went out with a mate in London. Uh, so no one was... It was a little boutique kind of cinema. And uh, I thought no one was going to be in there. And I thought I might be able to have sex with my wife while we watched this film. <laughs> Then I thought, yeah. I'm really tired. Because nothing gets her in the mood more than that hummus. <laughs> <laughs> but then two, two or three people arrived, and they sat right, was, you know, medium-sized cinema, they sat right behind us and right in front of us. So when I was eating my hummus and falafel salad, I was thinking, this is probably quite annoying, you can probably yeah. smell this yeah. <laughs> from there. My, my first date when I went to the cinema, cinema in East Belfast here, yep. uh, to see the parent trap, um, oh, yeah. I, the girl that I had gone on a date with, uh, Judas Move brought her mate. Okay. So it's just me and the three of them. And I had brought five pounds because it was, it was two quid in. So I'm going, I'll pay me in. I'll be a young gentleman and pay her in too and then have a pound for like, you know, sweets to share. Yeah. But then her mate, like, fucked that so much. And my dad, right? This, I shouldn't say this. My, I was like 12. Um, and the girl, she was like a year younger, which sounds weird that age. Yeah. Um, can I say this so bad? But I was in, I was in what we call first form, and she was in P seven. But we were the same kind of age. Wow! <laughs> right, we had started going out. We had started going out when I was in P seven, and she was P six. But she's very old for her age, and I was very. <laughs> I'm very young for my year, right? So there was only literally a couple of months between us. But when I would meet her after school when she was in P7, I looked like a miniature businessman. You know what I mean? I was like, I liked the shirt and tie and she was just in still the jumper with the Comic Sans font. But, but we... we, <laughs> but we <laughs> I didn't expect you to destroy your career on this podcast. I was not expecting that. So my, my dad drove me to the date and she was standing outside. I was early, but she was early too, right? She was standing outside with her mate, and I realised what had happened. And my dad, genuinely, as they were standing there, my dad, for banter, went, I don't like the one you're getting. <laughs> and they're married now. <laughs> yeah, but that was... Yeah, cinema was my first date. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. It's a nice story. <laughs> I'm trying to work out the parent trap. It makes that better. It's like... If you've got five pounds and there's three of you, I just envisioned the two of them going in and you sitting eating your sweets outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind. I mean, it could have been good. Yeah. Could have worked out well for it you. Didn't. No, it didn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Could have had two girlfriends is all I mean. <laughs> wow, you're sick, you're sick people here. <laughs> Um, look, there's lots of great things in your special uh, that, I, that I was interested in talking to you about. Circumcision. Mm -hmm. I've had part of my genitals removed. <laughs> oh, you're bald? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> I think that, that, that... Maybe that's what I'll do next. Yeah. <laughs> Give it a go. You can, you can get a lot of material out of it. As you know, with all these things, yeah. you've got adult circumcision. No, I got a child circumcision. Oh, do you? Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, I got a, I got an adult circumcision. Yeah, that's that, that's quite. It's quite unusual to be. It was with local anaesthetic. I didn't do it for banter. No. <laughs> um, yeah, anaesthetic. Do you say under anaesthetic? Local anaesthetic. Because or is it like so? Were you were you awake when it happened? Or did I you was go awake, under? but I was numb below the waist. Yeah, I mean, you were. I, they're not going to numb the. I would hope. Yeah, I, I, don't think... I was numb from the neck. <laughs> but I didn't. They offered me local or general anaesthetic to have my ball removed. Yeah. Who the fuck is taking local anaesthetic for that? <laughs> but did you, you know? Did you? Were you watching? Well, my problem is. Yeah. I don't know the difference between local and general anaesthetic. Okay. So I said yes to whatever they offered. I was okay. like, yeah, that I prefer that one. <laughs> um, I was awake and I, of course, didn't look. But they weirdly, and it's like I got a colonoscopy few months ago right. why are they offering you the option <laughs> they said do, do, you want a, do you want the TV on I thought they meant for like homes under the hammer I was like well yeah it'll be a nice distraction and not my hole <laughs> <laughs> so I was I, I knew what they were doing but I had my, I had my eyes closed for the yeah. circumcision but they have like a, they had like a thing up you know what I mean like a that, that's on my foreskin <laughs> <laughs> they asked me to hold it um they had like a, a little bit of a curtain up, but yeah. they were talking to me during it. And can I say this? So good. See, the, the, the worst, because you're numb, the worst thing about it was the injections to numb it. And I got, um, they tell you you can't drive, obviously after it, and I got a, a taxi. With your, with your cock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the last thing you want after you're all vulnerable and sore from a circumcision. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever gotten a Belfast taxi. <laughs> they are not subtle. I got in from like this, like, you know, low-key hospital. Clearly like hobbled into the car, white as a sheet, lots of pamphlets and all with me. Clearly I've been through something. And the driver went, well, what did you get done? And I was like, <laughs> I said, circumcised. And he, I, he genuinely, like the whole way home, going over speed bumps and all, he's like, that's probably hurting you and all. Like he, <laughs> he, was, he wouldn't shut up about it the whole way home. It was more painful than the, than the, uh, the surgery. But yeah, I got it done. And um, you know what, Richard? Wouldn't Thank it. you for a foreskin now. It's way better. You reckon? It's, oh, it's, it's, it's miles better. It is miles better. <laughs> Looks weird at the start, and yeah. then it starts to actually look good. <laughs> Was it for the, for the American tour? Because most of them are circumcised in America. You just wanted to fit in with the Americans, yeah. just in yeah. case. Uh, no, I had a very tight foreskin. Yeah, it can happen. Yeah. I know all about penises. I've, I've written a book about penises. I've written a book about balls. Yeah. Arsehole next. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll come to you for that one with, the, with your experience. Um, yeah. They can, yeah. It's, but it's, it's, it's you know, it, there aren't many people you can talk to about their circumcision. That's kind of an interesting. It, it, it's one of those things as well, the dark kind of mind of a comedian. Whenever I found out I was going to have to get circumcised, my first thought is, yeah, bit of material. There's, there's mm -hmm. material there, there's jokes there. You know what I mean? So I it do. makes it kind of okay. Yeah. Um, like, well, you know, but when I went to the when I went to the GP, like I had a big ball, 
I went to the GP, said, don't worry, 99% sure this isn't cancer. Good to get a figure. Um, and I left feeling quite happy that I didn't have cancer. He was wrong, by the way. Spoiler alert. But I was slightly disappointed because I thought, I can't do any material about nearly having testicular yeah, yeah, cancer. Yeah, yeah, But now, I, luckily, I had yes. testicular cancer. Yeah. There's a book. Yeah. <laughs> Stand-up show. It's fantastic. So comedians look at the world in a different way. Yeah, yeah. And then that has to be said than any normal person. But most people couldn't, couldn't craft their missing foreskin into money-making material. I crafted mine literally in the abrasive. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> they must, aren't they? they? Don't they use them to... They, don't they use them in, for, like, making b- b- beauty products or something? My, for the, what do they do with the kids? To sell where? They, they use the skin, they use the cells in foreskins. Is that what it is? To, nope. Kids, little babies' foreskins, they take the cells and they use them to rejuvenate old people. Like a sort of vampiric, a cock vampiric. What is it? Some woman up there knows what I'm talking about. Then she went, no, when I said that they'd make them... They make a beauty. They make a beauty cream. Thank you, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So you know, I hope you didn't just throw it away. Well, no, they, they didn't offer me because that was the thing. After like the next day, I was like, oh, I should have got it. You yeah. know what I mean? And done something with it. Yeah. But um, they, uh, they, I don't know what they did with it. Yeah. I don't know what they did. Probably put in a bin or. Can you reuse it like a rubber band or <laughs> <Yeah>. something? <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't you know. You go back there, they've got some papers. I don't know, I would like to have had the, the, uh, the option to, yeah. to have done yeah, something. Yeah, they don't give me the ball back either. They're not? No. That's what, that's what the book's largely about, my, ang- my anger. is still, they keep it, they hold on to it. You think so? No, they definitely do. My oncologist told me it will be somewhere in case they need it again. For? You know, just <laughs> table tennis. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode of Rahalastapa is brought to you by the National Lottery. They've tasked us with delving into a question that we've all day dreamt about at one point or another, haven't we? What would we do if we won the jackpot on the National Lottery? And I'm not doing this alone. Here with me are the brilliant minds, it says here, behind your favourite true crime <laughs> podcast. Uh, I'm married to one of them. I can't remember which one. It's Hannah George, Taylor Glenn uh, and Katie Wilkins. That one seems the most familiar. It's the Drunk Women Solving Crime. Hello. Hello. Last year, when Richard had this conversation on his podcast, he said, "So, what would you? What? Who would be the first person you'd tell if you won the national lottery?" I I suppose it'd probably be my mum. I tell my mum everything. She's the first person I call. I don't think I'd tell her. I wouldn't even tell my wife. Imagine winning the (laughs) national lottery. You could start your own bank accounts. Wow, (laughs) unbelievable! I stand by it. I stand by everything I said. Katie, how do you respond? Would you tell Richard if you won the National Lottery? See, I, well, now, I put it to you this. <laughs> challenge, <laughs> challenge accepted, because I propose we play a game. How long, would it, how long would it take me to spot that we've won the lottery? <laughs> um, like, how, how many gold shoes would Rich have to have lying around the house before I'm like, hey, uh, what's up? <laughs> Well, how long did it take for you to notice that I'd lost one of my testicles, Katie? A long time. It was. It was, it was a couple of years. For you said, isn't it? Wasn't they? Didn't they used to be two? So I think I'll get away with it. Uh, given one of the first things I would do is build an extension on the house and have a hygienist in there 
who works for me every day cleaning my teeth, you might notice quite quickly. That's that's what I'm going to do with the money. I'm glad you what? said teeth, actually. I was thinking, what does he want? We've gone straight from his bollocks to, to a hygiene. I didn't know you could have testicle hygienists. Well, wait, and you hate going to the... You hate going to the hygienist. Why do you want a permanent exactly. hygienist? Exactly, because then I won't have the horrible thing where they have to ch- carve plaque off your teeth every six oh, months. I they would see. do it every day. When my um, husband went to the dentist last, apparently the dentist like, he opened his mouth and she just, she just went, uh, oh, small teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, he, my gosh. I know. What a thing to say to someone. Although when your gynecologist says that, you're like, whoo, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You could pay for him to have uh, big teeth put in, Hannah. Your, oh, I could your, do. You could get that. Could be. You could have massive rabbit teeth. Yeah, I've got a kind of Ken Dodd thing, sort of like <laughs> I'm interested. Get, get him a tickle sick. I think we're gonna. <laughs> All right. What would What would you guys get? What would What would What were your first purchases? Oh wow! First purchases, lobster, <laughs> just for myself. Just a big <gasps> lobster for myself. And can I say that I would buy a ticket to watch Taylor eat a lobster? It's um, quite a and- spectacle. She's seen it before. <laughs> what about you guys? Is there any is there any uh, case that you would like to investigate with millions of pounds behind you? Oh, I really liked We did this case called the Somerton Man, which was about a guy that was found. It was like in the 40s. He was just found on a beach in Australia. And they never worked out who they were. They say they've worked it out now, but I, I only ever read headlines. I never actually read any articles. So I don't know if they've actually found it out. But I would go into, um, <clears throat> I would put the money into finding out who he was. I don't want to take things, you know, too lowbrow. But what if we were to be very, very petty with our newfound riches, if we won the jackpot on the national lottery, uh, what would you do to mess with your nemesis or or foes? If you don't have a nemesis, surely we all have at least one foe. Yeah, I think I'd pay the every restaurant in the country to uh, bar uh, the off menu guys, so they couldn't ever. That's very good. Except Texas fried chicken in Shepherd's Bush. They could go in there. That's the only place that I'm not going to bar them from. Uh, Katie and Rich, uh, with the 25th of December just around the corner, what would you guys get each other for Christmas if money wasn't an issue? I don't think money's the problem here, is it? God, we'd have to get to know each other better. God, we oh, I guess <laughs> It'd be nice to go away. It'd be nice to take the kids to, like, uh, you know, see Santa Claus and the, and the North I Pole. I do want to go to Lapland. Actually, there's loads of yeah. places I want to go. So it'd be nice to do something. If you had that, I'm limited about somebody. You know, I think anything that gets us away from Katie's family would be a wonderful, <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> would be a wonderful Christmas present for me. Oh, my God. They don't listen to this, what? right? Oh, dear. I, would, I was thinking Lapland as well. I've always wanted to to go and do the super snowy Christmassy thing. So, yeah. Oh, no, I got all earnest there. That was awful. This is what I would get for the rest of the drunk women. Um, A a never-ending bottle of Carvo. It just keeps refilling. Like, I'll use the lottery millions to do the science to just keep refilling. There'll be some scientific reason why it works, right? Um, You know, like the Norse god Thor, when he had drank from the horn and it never ended because it was secretly connected to the ocean. It will be like that, but with Carvo. Or champagne. Oh. Yeah. I've got the money now. It's, it's good that it was Carver was the first launch. <laughs> rather than, like, yeah, just, you know, the one that we get for, for five quid. Uh, for a, uh... <laughs> <laughs> We've got never-ending five quid. 
So just like any of us, when it comes to the national lottery, it could be you. If you were to play tonight, where would you keep your ticket whilst you wait to find out if your numbers come up? Do you have a safekeeping spot? We have like, we call it our Jason Bourne box, which is just a really sexy way of saying the box we keep our passports in. Um, So I'd keep it in the Jason Bourne box. (laughs) I think, you know, it's a game of chance and I think you have to increase the peril. So I keep my lodge ticket over an open flame that just is just high (laughs) enough but just so that it could just if the wind blew it could just burn up and I could lose everything so I'd just like the extra I could win but also I could lose everything and it makes it more much more exciting for me as a as a as a fun thing to do wait so your safekeeping space is an elaborate James Bond style ruse that's gonna end terribly I'm going to um, keep mine uh, dipped in some flame-proof um, materials. <laughs> You'd so best. When Rich puts it on the flame, we're still fine. Yeah. I would keep it in Toby's mouth because there's so much room with those tiny <laughs> Well, thanks to the National Lottery for allowing us to live out a life full of newfound riches. I know my next move is to get a ticket in store or via the app, punch in my lucky numbers and make all of this a reality. So remember, the National Lottery, it's where your numbers make amazing happen, whether that's a big jackpot win or helping the National Lottery good causes across the country continue with the amazing work they do. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Right, look, we've got our script anyway. Let's go, let's go and ask you in a minute. I'm going I'm to ask you a would you rather question from would you rather yeah, available in the foyer. It's going to be random. Yep. Um, and I, I don't remember, right, I wrote this book pretty fast, I have to tell you, after I just had a testicle removed. Uh, so let's see how we go. Uh, if you could make one part of your body or one of your senses 50 times more sensitive than it currently is, which body part or sense would get a 50 times increase in sensitivity? I can answer after experience. My foreskin is now 50 times more sensitive. Is it? If the wind changes, I'm like... Ah. Um, so make something 50 times more sensitive. Yeah, so yes. Not to hard back to that, but with the foreskin, they go, you're either going to be a lot more sensitive or, or the complete opposite. Right. No. I would have thought less. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I would have thought less sensitive. I don't know. It's kind of just exposed now to the elements. 
Well, no, I do wear I a chuck jeans. I think over time, wouldn't it? Doesn't the sheath protect it? And then over time, it gets battered around and loses some of its sensory. Yeah, we'll find out. Could you could you email me in a few years and let me know? Let me you know mean, how it's going. What body, what body part would I want to be more sensitive? Yeah, because it could be something that's not very sensitive, I guess. I don't want something that's sensitive to be more Surely sensitive. Surely you don't want anything, really anything too sensitive? What about your sense, though? It could be a body part or a sense, so you could have a sense of smell. No, because it's not always... Sense of hearing? No. I've talked about this before, but the women in Encanto who can hear things a mile away, I think that must be, like, the worst. Who can? In Encanto, it's not real. All right. I'm obsessed with Encanto. I watch it all the time and it's actually my favourite album. Right. Um, I love it. I think it's brilliant. Uh, But uh, her sister Dolores can hear this whole chorus a mile away. I imagine. Not that I've heard it a lot. Maybe like, maybe eyesight or something? Yeah, eyesight would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm starting to like, I have very, I have good vision. Yeah. But if I had even better of it, like, what could I achieve? Yeah, you could see... Yeah. Some more things. I don't think... I think I'm at the level of sensitivity physically and emotionally that I, I'm comfortable with. Okay, good. I think. Right, I'll do one more from here. Because that, that one was rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> They're not all gold. They're not all gold. Um, let's see. Uh, would you rather have headlights on your forehead or indicators on your bottom? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You could cut holes in your trousers or skirt so the indicators could be seen. Uh, I add, mm. just in case you are wondering, but they wouldn't be useless indicators. I think the indicators would be would be fun. Yeah, not I very think... useful. I mean, what it's useful for other people. It's not so useful. I mean, it stops people. What it doesn't even stop people bumping into you? Well, you're yeah, but you're like in the gym showers or whatever. Yeah, you know. I always exit backwards Okay. anyway, so it would be handy for other people to know what way I was going to... Yeah. Do you want a little beep in there as well when you're going backwards? Yeah. Beep, beep, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Headlights, oh, come on, headlights. I, I, um, I was doing a gig a few weeks ago in Belfast in the city centre and I reversed into a parked car and okay. I left a note on the windscreen and my phone number yeah. and the guy rang me and said, don't worry about it. So I know, but I think it was something more to it. <laughs> yeah. Because he goes, there's no damage done. I was like, they're I've, I've got photos of your car. There was damage done. Okay. And he wouldn't take... He was like, no, 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 leave it. Well, you know what? This happened to me. The, 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 I got my car. It was your car? No. I don't think it was in Belfast. <laughs> I was in Waitrose in Hitchin. I live a How'd great you crash life. In there? I, I live an amazing life. Uh, and I came out and I didn't spot anything, right? And then as I was driving home, I saw a little bit of paper fluttering on the windscreen. It could easily have flown off. Mm-hmm. And I took it out and it was like someone saying, sorry, I accidentally scratched your car yep. at the back. And I went to look at it and it was, it was a bit scratched. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be fucking asked to, like, yeah. to take it in, you know, and go through all the stuff and, and you know, even if they paid for it. Yep. it. It did also, as I was looking, I noticed there was a thorn in my tyre, which I don't think I would have noticed and I don't think it happened in this accident. Yeah. So I, got, I had to get the tyre changed. So I was quite pleased and I just never rang them back. Yeah. So they, they, and also I could easily have lost the number. So I think that person is sitting there thinking, oh God, I didn't live a big enough note. I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm a criminal. I'm going to get caught at any second. It's all right. But he phoned me on an unknown number, so that's why I think it's a bit dodgy. Okay. He didn't give anything away and he's like, yeah. please, that's it. So 
in my head, I'm like, is he maybe an assassin or something? Yeah, I mean, he, he was could... driving a polo, so maybe. Okay. <laughs> Not really the, the car would... of choice for an assassin, he but would. then a good assassin would do that. He would. Be... Yeah. I think just driving a polo, you think, fuck it. Yeah. It's, it's probably made it a bit slightly better. It's made yeah. it a slightly more interesting car as a result. Good. You know, we got some stuff out of that. That's all, the, it's content. That's all we're here for. Yep. Um, Right, the other thing I want to... Well, look, I don't, you won't want to talk about this uh, too much because I think it's a big part of this show. But um, there's a very funny story about Kevin Hart, but you, but you supported Kevin Hart when he came to... I hear talking about it, Richard. <laughs> My mate Kev, what do yeah. you want to know? I mean, what, how, how, did this, how did this happen? How did you end up... Blackmail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how did you end up supporting him? So we have the same agent, and I'm going right. to guess at different levels okay. of priority <laughs> on their list, right? <laughs> so um, I have an American agent who is his agent too, okay. and um, they said, oh, he's going to come over for a few months to shoot a movie in Belfast for Netflix because, you know, they film everything over here now. Yeah. Um, and they said, we would love you and Kevin. Kevin will want to do some shows. What if you guys do shows together? And I was like, this sounds amazing, I'm a fan, yes, I, will, I would love to do that. And um, I quickly realised, they were like, you do, it's going to be billed as Shane Tubbs' surprise guest. I was like, happy days, but they go, you just do 10 minutes at the start, yeah. and then the surprise guest does an hour. Right? <laughs> so I realised, oh, okay, I'm opening for him on tour, and I was like, you know what, let him have it. Right? <laughs> um, it's like a cool headline yeah. tour. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, he was here shooting films, and in my head, I'm going, he's going to be my best mate now. I was like, this is unreal. Like, you know, we're going to be, like, running about Belfast together, getting into all sorts, you know, maybe we, if it goes well, we talk about Battle of the Bone too. <laughs> There's a role there for him, I'm yeah. sure. Um, so the way the shows would work is that he wanted to do intimate venues in Belfast, small venues, because he was working out his new hour-long show to then put out as a special yeah and um, I was like this is great I'll get to see it being crafted and all that kind of thing so they wanted me to do 15 minutes in like 100 seater venues and then there would be a break and then Kevin Hart would do an hour so I was like great we'll hang out backstage and I'm not even like that kind of guy I let people just do whatever they want backstage and not bother them unless it comes up kind of organically but I was like of course it's going to come up so what would happen is <laughs> what would happen is I would go on stage and he wouldn't be there yet. <laughs> but as I was on stage doing stamp 20 minutes at the start, they would arrive in a different door, him and his entourage. So I was like, that's a bit weird. And then I realized I was, I'm like the human decoy <laughs> to start the show, get everyone looking at me. And then they're going in round another way so he doesn't get bothered. Yeah. So they, he would film like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. And then come do stand-up. So, like, the work ethic he talks about, I always looked at that and thought, maybe that's just a bit for show. It isn't. Yeah. So, I would do my set. It was always roughly 15 minutes, but they would shine a torch when he was ready. <laughs> so, sometimes it was 15 minutes, sometimes 10, sometimes 40 minutes and that kind of thing. Right. So, me, uh, it was always two support acts. It was usually me and my mate Colin Geddes, right? So, we would, we would fill time. And usually it was me that was on just before him, so I, I never knew how long to do. And you'd get a flash, and that meant he's walking to the stage, so wrap it up and bring him on. Wow. So, and usually I'd be like, I'll finish in my own time. Right? I never said that. <laughs> never said that. Um, I was like, whatever Mr. Kevin wants. But the interesting thing is, 
there's a, if you've been to the limelight in Belfast, you'll know, there's a fire door right beside the stage. So just at the end of his set, they would open that fire door as he was saying goodnight. His bodyguards, would fo- who he brought over from America, scariest guys you ever meet, would form like a human corridor. He'd be like, Belfast, goodnight. Walk out that and into like a moving car and leave. And then <laughs> I'd go back up and be, give it up for Kevin Hart. But I never, when I was doing that in the bubble of those shows, everyone was like, what's he like? You know, people, but like, what's he, is he the same on stage as he is off and all this? And I would be like, no, he's just, he's got his feet in the ground. But I'd never met him. Right. <laughs> right, so, but I, I'd make up wee quirks about him and all that kind of thing. You know, I'm like, no, he's, he love, loves his football manager and all, you know. I'm like, he's my assistant. You know, I'm running everything by him. And, um, but I was never meeting him. No. And I was like, it'd be nice, you know, like, just have a, literally a hello or a conversation. Yeah, yeah. But I get that, you know, he doesn't want to stay in the venue. He doesn't want to get stuck and blah, blah. So it's fine. And then the last, one of the last shows before we did the arena shows. So it was all these intimate shows and then we did two arena shows. But the last uh, intimate show, um, I thought that they, at the end of the show, they were motioning for me to join them at the end of the night in the vehicles to leave. And I, my wife, this isn't in the special, my wife was at the show and as they're all leaving at the end, I said to her, genuinely, I was like, I'll see you at home. Right? <laughs> but what had happened, they were not waving to me. So they, they they get in the cars and I just like, one of the, and it's dark and there's music pumping and I end up in like the back row of one of the two or three people carriers. And then I have to, I realize that they don't know I'm there. <laughs> but, because I was so like just happy to be there and all vulnerable, I was just like in the back row of the car. And then I announced, because I was like, I don't think I need to be there, but I'll probably just say I'm here and then they'll say like, that's fine, we're going for a drink anyway. But whenever I said like, I, uh, I, you just know I'm in here. <laughs> when I said that, but bear in mind, they, they had never met me. Even though we'd done 24 shows, I was like, they'll turn around and go, that's Shane Tall, what's he like? Come on for a pint. They didn't know who I was. Yeah. So they all turned to me and were like, he didn't say it, but two of the guys were like, yeah, man, you need to get the fuck out of the car. They were spooked. <laughs> yeah. And then when I got out of the car, lots of people clearly saw this happen. And um, it was just, it was, it was like, it was very embarrassing. And yeah. I, I talk about it in the special, but then what wasn't in the special was when we did the arena show, we did three arena in Belfast, three arena in Dublin, SSE in Belfast. And when we did three arena in Dublin, it was the same thing, me and my mate Colin do warm up and then I bring Kevin Hart on. And this is like 11,000 people, so I'm the biggest show I'd ever done in my life. And thank you. And um, <laughs> is that Kev? <laughs> um, and I would be surprised if he wasn't here tonight to support me. Yep. Um, but at three arena in Dublin, I did, I was to do 20 minutes. And you know yourself, I'd done 19, finished on a punchline. And thought, you know, that's a good time to bring them. I'm not going to start into a new bit for another minute. Yeah. And there's a huge backstage area there, so they'll be good to go. So I do hit 19, a bit over 19 minutes, and then I start getting the crowd ready and all to bring them on. But it was a different crew, a production company on this, so we didn't have the light system. So when I looked over, there's nobody there, so I'm like, he's good to go. Normally, if I looked over, there'd be someone being like, fill time or flash the torch. But there was nobody there. So I was like, Dublin... Are you guys ready for the man you're here to see? <laughs> I go, ladies and gentlemen, 
Welcome to the stage, the one and only Kevin Hart. His music hits, everyone goes mental, 11,000 people. I go, hmm. maybe, he's waiting, maybe at the big ones he wants me to come all the way off <laughs> instead of meeting me halfway with a handshake. So I walk off and I'm like, you know, give Kev his moment, right? This isn't about me. I'll exit the stage and let him have a clean walk on. <laughs> when I got to the backstage bit, he was not there. <laughs> the crowd are still going mental, but the cheers starting to subside and the backing track plays on and on and everyone's just standing there with their hands on their heads. He hadn't been ready. So he's still on like his own time. So we stood there for, it was probably two minutes oh. while the whole track played. But I thought like I was done. I was like, yeah. I'm done. Like the agency will drop me. He's not going to be my best mate anymore. <laughs> I, I was like, it's the worst thing. And then he came down the stairs, still like get like half putting his clothes on. And I was like, we're done. And uh, the stage manager went, go back and introduce him. So I had to go back on and go, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Hart. And I still, in the changing room after, I couldn't be talked down by my mates. I was like, they were like, it's fine. And nobody ever mentioned it that was at the show. They thought it was just, he was milking a big entrance. Yeah. But I, and then I, I, for the next night in the SSE in Belfast, and that was the first time I was playing a full SSE in my home city. I thought they were going to cut me from that show, but they didn't. And it was, oh. it was great. And I haven't spoke to him since. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But it was, it was crazy that he was here. And again, as I said at the start, I don't really think about things or try and take them in. I like to just push on because the reality of stuff can daunt me a bit. But the fact that we did his tour and got yeah. the arenas with him, I've never really thought about, you know, <laughs> in the best possible way. I've never, because I think I'd be scared if I thought about it. Yeah, it is weird how you can do that. And, you know, I think you have to treat those, not that I've performed to quite that many people in my life, but you've got to treat those big gigs like they're, you know, regular gigs. You know, yeah, there's yeah. obviously a difference in performance, but you've, you've got to feel the same. Yeah, and when we did, actually, we got to meet him at the, those arena shows because it was a more laid-back environment. He wasn't just coming in and out. And yeah. He was, was really nice. He was really nice. Oh, good. Oh, didn't give me a mug, Richard, though. So. Didn't give me a mug, did he? Nope. No. Nah. That, that mug I gave you is bigger than Kevin Hart, so if I gave it to him, he'd be, hey, he'd be in a lot of trouble. That's my mate you're talking oh, about. Oh, sorry. It's very little. Very little guy. <laughs> he lives here now. As well? He lives in Belfast now. Does he? He moved, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Wow. That's good. Lives in the Falls Road in Belfast. <laughs> we flat. He loves it. <laughs> Oh, good. Uh, last week, we had... Uh, I don't know if you uh, have been told, we had Lisa McGee on from... Um, you did? Dairy Girls, yeah. Yeah, nice. she was good. She, um, she was saying how she had auditioned a lot of comedians for Dairy Girls. And like, if someone came and did it, even if they weren't right for the particular part, yeah. the, if they were good, mm. she'd write like a different character for them, yeah. get, get them in. Just thought I'd mention it, did yeah. Did you get? Did you have anything to do with Dairy Girls? <laughs> so, oh, I um, it was before the it was for the first season, so no one knew like how big it was going to be, and I got asked to audition for it, and I'd never auditioned for anything really before. You know, it was more like people would invite you in to have a chat or that kind of. But it, this was a first audition from the like casting directors and that kind of thing. So I go in and I. I'm not an actor. Although, what you'll see if you watch Battle of the Bone, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think Lisa had seen Battle of the Bone. Yeah. And I went, that's the guy. That's the guy we that's need. That's the guy. So I go in and I don't know anything about acting and auditions. And it says, they send me a script. And I've never had to learn lines before. 
So that, and even with my stand up, I don't like to be word perfect at all. I like to just kind of feel it out a bit and change it if I want. Sure. Um, and it said, by the way, this is off book. You'd be off book for this. So in my head, I'm like, well, that's brilliant. I can read off the book. <laughs> so I went in and was like, you know, at the start, you do that like, hey, Shane Todd, and you lie about your height, you know, you give your height and all that kind of thing. And you say, you say who your agent is. And then they're like, yep, go ahead. And I'm like, happy days. And I just start like reading it with my head down. And they go, okay, now, now okay, you want to put the script aside and give it to us? I was like, well, no, I'm, you said I'm, I can be off the book. And they went, that means you're off book, you know? Yeah. And I went, that makes sense. <laughs> so to be fair to them, they're yeah. like the loveliest casting directors in the world and I've done unsuccessful auditions with them since. They said, they said, do you, they knew I was nervous and I'd never done one before. They went, go to the Starbucks across the road and look at it for an hour and we'll get you back in. Uh-huh. We'll, we'll work out some space for you and we'll get you back in. And it's like, I imagine if you have like erectile dysfunction problems, someone going, no, just get it hard. <laughs> it's all well in saying that, but I couldn't do it. Go to McDonald's for an hour yeah. and get it hard. <laughs> so I just came back and was like, I tried it, but I just couldn't learn it in that time. And um, I didn't, uh, I didn't get the role. They said, this isn't the job for you. Nah. If you can't learn things in an hour. But for series three, yeah. they let me audition again. <laughs> yeah. And did not get it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I so, think if I had of that se- series, would have been very successful. I think it could have been, I could, could have done well. That show would have done really well. <laughs> <laughs> what could have been, Lisa's probably thinking. <laughs> Uh, you're quite a sporty guy. You like yep. sport, and yep. I saw you taking part in some boxing. Mm-hmm. We did comedians charity boxing. Yeah, yeah. I took a way too seriously. <laughs> I like in the weigh in, and everyone. I don't know if it's a weigh in in the press conference. You were all yeah, yeah. It looked a bit like when you were dressed up in the glasses and stuff. For some reason, you really reminded me of Limmy, the Scottish comedian. You looked, you looked very like Limmy. You had a sort of boss thing on it. You, didn't, you know, I don't know a why. full-length leather jacket yeah. on. It's just really getting in my opponent's head. Yeah. Um, did it work? Because backstage, because we're all comedians, he was like, what are you supposed to be? And I just didn't say, I just stared at him. <laughs> um, and it was brilliant. We did it at the Ulster Hall, which is like a historic boxing venue as well as like a live venue for everything. And um, it was it was unbelievable. It was so, but it took over everyone's life. And the weekend before it, um, me and my wife were in New York. I was doing like a, a one-off show and but it was supposed to be like a bit of a romantic getaway right. and then i was like every day i have a boxing class booked so i would just like run the brooklyn bridge and go to a boxing gym every single day um but it wasn't in it was just in like a, a friend of a comedian knew a boxing trainer right there and just like a regular gym but we were staying right beside this really famous gym in brooklyn so i kept taking photos outside of it and sending it to johnny who i was boxing and being like hard work never stops but i was not actually in that gym um and we might do it again but it just it it uh it really did become like all-encompassing but it was it was great it was a really fun experience it was really good and were you really going for for the was the, was the boxing serious ish um, the whole training i was taking real i was taking it really yeah. seriously and then on the night i it, i realized it's like it, it's fun, the whole thing, but it's not really that fun, like, punching someone. <laughs> no. I, you know, I know, I, it, was, it, was, it was good. It was a good night, and uh, I, knocked, I knocked the guy's tooth out, but it was a screw-in, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> I've knocked out someone's teeth, and they weren't real teeth. Oh, yeah? 
Yeah, when I was playing hockey at school, I was quite good at hockey, uh, but we just sometimes played boys hockey in, like, instead of girls hockey. Boys hockey, uh, and I, I, you know, I raised my stick too high and smashed this guy in his front teeth and knocked out all of his front teeth. Mm. And he was one of the toughest guys in school. Uh, he'd been, he'd been. <laughs> he played he hockey. He was slightly. He was slightly. <laughs> well, you had to. It was like in the lesson. It wasn't like so. It was in the lesson. He'd slightly, he'd, he'd once um, put, th- <laughs> not funny, he'd once um, bit, had a bonfire and thrown some petrol on to see what would happen. <laughs> and so he, was, he sort of had some burns on, on his... <laughs> not funny. Uh, but I knocked out his teeth and I thought I was going to be killed. Yeah. But it turned out they were already false teeth because they'd already been knocked out. And he was only like... 13, he'd already <laughs> lost his fries. He'd had his two front teeth knocked out twice. At least twice. Um, uh, yeah, he let me off. Right. Hi, Anthony Sewell, if you're, if you're listening. <laughs> Seems unlikely. Um, it's unlikely he's alive. <laughs> it's really unlikely. It's unlikely. I mean, it's unlikely anyone who was at school with me is alive. It was so long ago, but there we go. Um, good, let's I'll, we'll try another, we'll try a, uh, oh, I want to ask you this, my new, my new old emergency question. Who's the most famous person you've ever been in a lift with that you didn't get into the lift with? Do you understand that question? Yes. Thank you. It's a very simple question. Um, you've been in a lift with a famous person? Have I been in a lift with a famous person? Yeah, that you didn't get in with. Well, Kev might no, be No, did, you, did because... you get in with him? No, I didn't because... I, I, like, gave him that respect. You yeah. know what I mean? He kept... He had a close circle, and I just gave him his respect, and they told me I can't... I couldn't get in the lift. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I, there was a thing... Like, they have an elevator in there, but I used the stairs, because I was like, yeah. you know, give the man a space. Um, that doesn't sound like you're getting in a lift with Kevin Hart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who have I nearly got in a lift with? Uh, <laughs> no, have you nearly got in a lift oh, with? Oh, I don't if understand you the question. Got, you oh, didn't understand the question. Dermot What's the most famous person you've ever been in a lift with? Right. But you didn't get into the lift with the person. So. Oh! Yeah! Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Is yeah, there yeah, something yeah. about Ireland that means this? Yeah, yeah, Is yeah. Is there some different understanding? Um... Dermot O'Leary. Oh, yeah? Dermot O'Leary, yeah. yeah. And I did a wee beside him, too. Not in the lift. <laughs> Not in the lift. In a hotel in Dublin. That's a story, though, if you just got in the lift and then went. <laughs> just wait a minute, Dermot. He's like, that looks very tight. <laughs> I was like, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. Um, how, was, how was the... Did you have a look when you were having the wee? Did you check out? Yep. Any news to report? We can cut, we can edit it out. Um, no, you don't need to. Um, okay, well, I, Dermot might want us to... No, it, it's, fa- it's favourable for him. Uh, okay, we've edited a bit of your yeah, penis I remember out. It being quite, I remember it being, like, ni- it was nice. Yeah, it was nice. Nice <laughs> penis. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing... You can't tell in that state. You can't tell... Well, unless he's weeing with an erection. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm going to say... He wasn't. The, I was, <laughs> but he wasn't. <laughs> it's very hard to wee with an erection. You shouldn't really be able to do it. Some people can do it. I know a lot there's of about penises. There's a technique. Is there a technique to get through it? There's a th- there's an actual valve that closes up when you've got an erection to stop urine getting in. There is a technique. Okay. But it involves starting a little bit further back. You've got to trust yourself. <laughs> and as the, as the wee goes on, yeah. it will go down. Okay. So you slowly creep a little bit closer to the toilet. 
I'm not joking, it can be done. Or just don't take any chances and do it, walk into the shower and do it. Yeah. But just wait. Wait till you haven't got an erection anymore to go to the toilet. It's up to you. What if you need a wee then? It's up to you. Well, you think it can't should be have done. gone before be you done. got. You should have gone before you got the erection as well. If you need a wee, go before. Go before. You should have gone before you came. That's what everyone says. Everyone always says. Um, yeah. Oh right, look, this is something. There's in my in my diligent research uh, about you and your life. I have a quote from you. A bad banana is better than most other fruit. Absolute yeah. fucking nonsense. <laughs> Defend yourself. Right. I'll say this. I'm not talking about unripe bananas. No. Separate conversation. I mean, a banana, a standard banana, the yellow, is better than pretty much any fruit. Because if people go, oh, this, the, these are really nice bananas. I think actually bananas are a wee bit overripe or maybe the best if you're willing to take that risk, like pissing with an erection. But, <laughs> but I, what I'm saying is, even if you have a banana that you're thinking, this isn't like a great banana, maybe slightly too hard or whatever, it's still better than like a, any green apple or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. He came. Okay. <laughs> You know what I mean? I just mean a bad banana is still... Yeah, but a bad a banana is fucking horrible. That's why I say, when I say a bad banana, I think just even a little bit. I have to what eat a lot. I have banana? to eat... Well, my, my daughter will only eat a perfect banana. So if there's, like, last night... No, all the bananas are bad, says the lady at the back. No, some bananas are nice. When they're just at the right level, that's a nice banana. That's a good banana. If, my, if there's any brown on it, you have to take the top off for my daughter. She, won't take the, if she doesn't want that bit on. If there's any brown, she'll just hand it back and then I have to eat it. No, a wee bit is good. I eat three bananas a day. Okay. And I'm not saying that that hard or anything. I, do, I, I actually just do. <laughs> I'm just acting like you say, I'm just, I eat my own feces. It's <laughs> 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 three bananas. Yeah, bananas on real. Kiwi would be one of my top fruit, but too yeah. much admin. Yeah. You're not worried about the potassium overload of... Uh... I don't give a fuck, Richard. Okay. <laughs> it's good no for such you. thing. It's good for you. It's good yeah. for you, but I mean, in, in that quantity, I'm not sure. Well, there used to be that... I didn't used to eat three bananas, but then I realised that that myth that, uh, you know, like the, the government will be like, if you eat eight bananas in a day, you die. <laughs> That's not true. Okay. You've, have you ever eaten eight in a day? Uh, no. Okay. Well, we don't know if it's true or not. Then. Get them. I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> Bring on the banana. Bring on the slightly bad bananas. And I'll eat some green apples. I'll happily eat some green apples and everything will be fine. Um, good. Are you ever mistaken for Shane Todd, the American engineer who died in Singapore in unusual circumstances? I think it's been an incentive to me to really, like, you know, do bigger shows yeah. and reach a bigger audience so that I can... Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Because when you do like a Google search or a Twitter search, it's right 50-50 between me and him. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really trying to overtake him. Yeah. Well, look, it's know? difficult to overtake a guy who died in mysterious circumstances. Yeah, I know. Do you have, do you have any theories about, about what Well, I actually there? do know a bit about the guy yeah. because, you know, he had the audacity to have my name <laughs> yeah. and be older than me and, uh, you know, get murdered in mysterious circumstances. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I do. I don't get mistaken for him. But in day-to-day life, I get mistaken for everybody because I have just, like, that face. Lemmy? Yeah. Lemmy's Ellen face. DeGeneres? <laughs> <laughs> I would get quite a bit. The singer Robin, if you know her. Yeah. Yeah. The that. girl from Stranger Things. It's always girls. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I do. I just have one of those faces. I do a yeah. thing on uh, Instagram, hashtag not she and Todd. Where people send me and be like, oh, this is you. And this, you know, clearly isn't. I yeah. got like, so many of them. I just yeah. have a kind of like starter pack face. Yes. You know? It's like, I'm not saying you look like him, but like Russell Kane does that. Russell Kane, there's a lot of people oh, who does. look exactly like Russell yeah, Kane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like exactly. I don't think you look exactly like the girl from yeah. Stranger Things. And sometimes you have to break people's spirit. Like some guy will send you a DM, a picture of him, and be like, how oh, my mates say I look like you. And you're like, oh, you don't. <laughs> you don't. Well, I get that a lot. Though in Bath, it will have been out by now, uh, Stuart Goldsmith brought his postman with him. <laughs> he came up on stage. He did look quite like he me. Did? Yeah, he did. Yeah. I mean, he was the right height and everything. And Do you have a celebrity doppelganger? Uh, Charlie Borman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I've been mistaken for Charlie Borman a few times. For, on the brow of the hill, we could be you, McGregor and Charlie. Yeah, we could. <laughs> I, like, I mean, I've told this story before, but I got—I was sitting in a club and a, someone came up to me, like a, like one of those celebrity places. I was just on my own. A guy said, "Well done, well done on the long way round," <laughs> and I didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah. I'd never seen it. So, and what? Yeah, he said, "Well done on the long way round." Yeah, <laughs> said, "You know, when you motorcycle around the world with you McGregor." Oh yeah, you've wrote it. Yeah, now that rings a bell. I don't. <laughs> I've forgotten about that. Um, so yeah, Charlie Borman says he hasn't. Re- Charlie Borman also one testicles had testicular cancer. Oh fuck! Yeah. I am also the son of the film director John Borman. <laughs> <laughs> Which now makes sense. Of the, we were twins. Um, 
Yes, there's quite a few similarities between me. I, I love motorcycling. He loves motorcycling. My dad was a motorbike racer, professional motorbike was racer. Was he? Yep, road racing. Locally, it's a thing that... Do you know they do that here where they just race, like... Yeah. On the street. Yeah. Like, on the normal roads. Yeah. As in, like, if they fall off, they're, like, on the... You know what I mean? They're yeah, they're on, on the, the road. They're on the road. Yeah, yeah. It's nuts. They're going, like, 200 odd mile an hour. <laughs> yeah. It's the craziest thing. And my dad once took me out on a bike whenever I was about 13. And um, his mate's bike, his mate Keith's motorbike. And he took me, I'd say, we're nearly hitting 100 on like B roads, like country roads. And our country roads are nuts. Yeah. And um, I was on the back and I was physically like crying. I was like, please stop and shouting. And my dad's like fully like getting down for the corners and stuff. I went down for about 20 minutes. He brought me back. I'm shaking. And he goes... I had to scurry you off the bikes. I'd never shown an interest in bikes, ever. I had never shown... I don't like bikes. I was like, this was never going to be an option for me. He's like, you'll not be a motorbike racer. I was like, I, ne- I wasn't going to be. So it was so bad. Wow, yeah, I wouldn't... would not enjoy that. No. It sounds like terrible abuse. Yeah. And my dad always tells me he was so good at it. He's yeah. like, and he was, like, he won loads of stuff, but he, like broke his back, his neck, he broke 36 bones and he has one kneecap and he's like, I was really good and I'm like, don't sound like, you know, you fell off a lot. Yeah. I think that's part of it. Charlie Borman's, one of his legs is short and the other leg, he's, he's come off like quite seriously three or four times. Right. So yeah, I think it's part of the... Th- did you feel that when he did, when he crashed? Yeah. <laughs> like that? Phantom pain? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I wish. Yeah, he's, he will be. He will, be, will become the same height as me. Hey, look, we're we're nearly at. A, I can't believe how quickly this has gone by. Uh, look, you're on tour. Yep. Maybe not by the time this goes out. Uh, with uh, with your new show, you've done ten fucking shows. That's so impressive. I mean, I've done uh, fourteen, but I'm very old. Yeah. I'm fifteen, maybe, but I'm very old. So it's, you, you must have been kind of taking every, one a year, basically. Kind of an hour a yeah. year. Yeah. You sort yeah. of have to here because you know it's a small place, and I like to tour once a year yeah so you don't want to do the same show so sure. you you turn but i think if it, there comes a time where i it's not coming easily or anything i'll like park it for a year you know and just still do the club gigs but not tour yeah you know i'm not scared of that but at the minute it's uh, you know i'm enjoying it every year yeah i mean if you can do it i think and that's what you know i, I did i did mine consecutively I, think I repeated a couple of them just so i could do them as dvds uh but uh, from years ago but yeah it kind of does once you get into the sink of it and then i stopped and then it's been four or five years since I've done one, so it is it's sort of the danger of stopping. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's 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 sort of good to go fallow every now and again. I think as a comedian, yeah. But then you know, and I'm com- I'm coming back and hopefully hopefully back in Belfast uh, in next year doing uh, the the uh, stand up version of Can I Have My Ball Back? Uh, now I can stand up. Uh, there's a there's a time when I couldn't. Um, but yeah, brilliant. So you, your your show's uh, called Mummy uh, and. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure there'll be another one out if if this people are listening to this after that show's over, uh, so they can get to see your your special on uh, YouTube as well. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I do think it's great because it just because you want people to come who like you, right? So yeah, if yeah. you if you can just go online and go, oh yeah, I love this guy, or yeah, no, I don't think I want to see this guy live. Yeah. It's a great thing to have, and then you get the the audience you need, that you you know are going to like you, yep. and and they get to see a show that they like. So it's it's fantastic, and I'm. It's incredibly impressive uh, what you've done, and uh, apart from Derry Girls. <laughs> and uh, yeah, look, it's such, it's such funny show, so do check him out. Thanks so much for coming on. It's Thanks been great, for great, me. Great, to, it. great to be here. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the fantastic. Thank you so much. 
the living, the non-murdered, Shane Todd. Thank you very much. I'll see you out in foyer. Thanks, Shane. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Shane Todd. Thank you to Scam Regard, as always. Thank you. I'm indebted to Chris Evans, not that one. Ben Walker, let's chuck him in for fun. Uh, George Lingford, Matt Cliff, everyone at the Mac, who's made us very welcome. Thank you uh, to everyone in Belfast, to my uh, taxi driver, Jim, who was quite the character. Uh, and uh, this is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFastTheStripe.com production. Thanks again for listening to the podcast, richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFastTheStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out. <laughs>